The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. I'm Rufus Griscom, and this is The Next Big Idea. Today, number 16 in our countdown of the top 22 books of last year, as chosen by users of our Next Big Idea app. After Suleika Jouad graduated from college, she moved to Paris, found a tiny apartment with a giant pink bathtub, and set out to become a foreign correspondent. Then she got an itch. Not a metaphorical itch, but a literal one. A maddening, claw-at-your-skin, keep-you-up-at-night itch as she calls it in her memoir, Between Two Kingdoms. It spread across her body, quote, like a thousand invisible mosquito bites. The itching was followed by fatigue. The fatigue by blinding pain. And the blinding pain by a gut-wrenching diagnosis, leukemia. Instead of covering conflicts overseas, she started writing a column for the New York Times called Life Interrupted, documenting her grueling medical treatments. She then set out on a 15,000-mile road trip across the United States, meeting with strangers who'd been touched by her column. She shares their stories and her own in her new book. Here's Suleika. Hi, I'm Suleika Jawad. I'm an author, a journalist, and an activist. And today I'm going to share five big ideas from my book, Between Two Kingdoms, a memoir of a life interrupted. Okay, here we go. Big idea number one, moving on is a myth. So I was diagnosed with leukemia when I was 22. And when I finally emerged from nearly four years of treatment, I learned the brutal lesson that surviving is not the same thing as living. It should have been a celebratory milestone, but in truth, I had never in my life felt more lost. I was lost in a kind of liminal space where the survival skills I'd honed in the context of illness were no longer useful. The outside world had come to feel overwhelming and frightening, and I was really struggling to find my place among the living. I wasn't well enough to work a normal job without having to take a break in the middle of the day for a four-hour nap. And as much as I wanted to, I couldn't live like a normal 27-year-old. I couldn't go out dancing with friends. And if I did, I paid for it dearly with three days in bed. I was still wrestling with the wreckage, with the physical and psychological toll of illness, and with the grief of losing so much. Through my own experience and those of dozens of others I've interviewed who are navigating the aftermath of a major loss or trauma, I've learned that moving on is a myth. It's the delusion that you can build a barricade between yourself and your past, that you can bury your sorrows and that you're among the lucky few who get to skip over the hard work of grieving and healing and rebuilding. Instead, I've come to understand that while you can't move on, you can find a way to move forward with it. Big idea number two, healing is a creative act. When our lives are dramatically disrupted by illness or by a global pandemic or some other sorrow, it's important that we create new habits, new goals, new routines and rituals. 
Trying to apply old ones to such circumstances is, at least in my experience, a recipe for frustration. We have to reassess our days and what they can contain. So we have all kinds of ceremonies and rites of passage that help us honor different phases of life and move from one to the next. Birthdays and bar mitzvahs, Weddings, baby showers, and funerals are all ritual experiences that help us bridge the distance between no longer and not yet. But reentry after a traumatic experience like an illness, or a global pandemic for that matter, has no such clear ceremony. In the aftermath of my own illness, I had to invent my own healing ritual. Searching for a path forward, I embarked on a 15,000-mile solo road trip around the United States, and traveled across 33 states and visited 22 strangers, all of whom had written to me while I was sick in response to my New York Times column, Life Interrupted. I ended up visiting a school teacher in California, grieving the death of her son. I visited a man on death row in Texas. I visited a teenager in Florida who was also recovering from cancer. These encounters taught me the importance of community, but more than anything, they taught me that you can't go back to how things were. Recovery is not about salvaging the old, though the word may suggest otherwise. It requires imagination to uncover the new, to discover who you are now. Healing is a creative act. Big idea number three. Whenever we travel, we actually take three trips. When I was on that road trip while recovering from cancer, I met all kinds of unexpected characters. One was a sculptor and psychotherapist named Rich in Northern California. He gave me some advice that stayed with me long after our visit. And here's what he said. He explained that when we travel, we actually take three trips. There's the first trip of preparation and anticipation, packing and daydreaming. There's the trip you're actually on. And then there's the trip you remember. The key is to try to keep all three as separate as possible, to be present wherever you are right now. I think, uh, especially in this last year, where we've been mired in so much uncertainty, where there are so many unknowns ahead, It's easy for our thoughts to time travel, to ruminate on what things were like before, or to anxiously obsess about what might happen in the future, but to learn to swim in that ocean of not knowing, to learn to stay anchored in the present, this is our constant work. I'm reminded of the words of the ancient philosopher Lao Tzu. And here's what he said. He said, if you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. Big idea number four, feel the pain. So we do all kinds of things to avoid actually experiencing pain. We dodge, numb, armor ourselves against it. But those tactics don't rid us of pain. They delay it. I used to think healing meant purging the body and the heart of everything that hurts. 
But from my research and firsthand experience, I've realized that's not exactly how it works. Healing instead is figuring out how to coexist with pain without either pretending it isn't there or allowing it to hijack our days. It's learning to embrace ghosts, to carry what lingers, to live with an unarmored heart. The many losses I endured during illness, the loss of my life and identity as I known it, of friends and fellow cancer comrades, the loss of a romantic relationship, all of that left me guarded and spent. When raw in grief, it's hard to open ourselves up to the possibility of a new life, new love, because it requires us to also open ourselves up to the possibility of new loss. Living with that openness means feeling pain, but the alternative is feeling nothing at all. And the truth is you can't protect yourself from loss, be it a breakup a betrayal, or something as big and blinding as death. But trying to evade heartbreak is how we miss our people, our purpose. And I can't think of a better response to life's hardships than love. Big idea number five, our health isn't binary. In illness's metaphor, Susan Sontag describes how we all have dual citizenship in the kingdom of the sick, and the kingdom of the well. But what I've come to understand is that our health is not binary. In fact, the border between the two realms is porous. So I've been cancer-free for six years now, but I still have a compromised immune system and still struggle daily with fatigue. I still feel hypervigilant and worried that my cancer might come back. I still grieve every day for my fellow cancer patients who didn't make it. And right now, I'm back to wearing face masks and carrying around several bottles of hand sanitizer at all times. The truth is, we are not well or unwell, not whole or broken. We all exist somewhere in the messy middle, and now more than ever. The pandemic has left no one unscathed. Whether you've had COVID and you're suffering from the lingering long-term side effects, whether you've lost a loved one, or whether you're reeling from months of disruption and isolation, the key is to embrace the in-between, to make of that wilderness a home. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope you enjoy my book, Between Two Kingdoms. I've loved sharing some of the big ideas from my journey with you. Thank you, Suleika. A beautiful story and a great reminder that though illness can be harrowing, it's also an unavoidable part of life that sometimes helps us connect. You can learn more about Suleika at her website, SuleikaJawad.com. We'll be back with more Great Book Bites on Monday. If you're not sure you can make it that long, then you should head over to the Next Big Idea app. We have hundreds of book bites in there and we're adding new ones every single weekday. There is no better way to get smart fast. With book bites, you can read a book in the time it takes to scramble a half dozen eggs. Just search for Next Big Idea in your app store. I'm Rufus Griscom. Have a great weekend. 